Well, good morning. Yes, Greg sent me a, a selfie. <laughs> He's not this deep in books. So I said, yeah, I'll preach for you. <laughs> well, it is my privilege to be here. He, he wanted me to give a little short report about Folsom, and I'll do just a little short report there. I don't know if you know or not, but uh, this fellowship supports our fellowship, and we're very glad for all of that, prayers and financials, because we're one year old a month ago. And so it's our goal to be totally independent in three years, and we're well on our way, and so we just thank you for your help in that. Um, We've had a few baptisms. Is this echoing? This is kind of weird to me. This is, sound okay? All right. Um... And we've had a few, uh, like I say, a few baptisms. We've had our first public membership uh, a couple months ago. We had 25 people go through the process of membership, which is kind of cool. Because um, we, we, we get after them. Uh-huh. I'm empty-headed, but that doesn't help it, man. <laughs> um, I can scream and yell. I got a lot of Baptist blood in me, so... <laughs> anyway, so we uh, we have our uh, first membership. We we do men's training on Saturday. We're into probably our tenth month in that. We have about twelve young guys because we're looking for future elders and teachers. And so we believe the Second Timothy mandate to the church to raise up men to to govern his church. And so as the men go, the church goes. And so that's what we want to do. We want to raise up men qualified in the Word. And so we're pouring into that. And so it's fun to see. About two-thirds of our fellowship is uh, Slavic, so Russian and Ukraine, and I just love it to death. I just, those are my favorite peeps, and <laughs> they are. I just, they're so gracious and kind and, and so loving towards us, and I'm very grateful to be part of that. We, uh, we're still meeting at 2 p.m. Uh, we rent from what's called Disciples Church. They have a strip mall that they rent from, and we rent from them, and it's over by the outlet malls there on Iron Point in Folsom. We're looking for our own place, but as you probably know, Folsom thinks pretty highly of themselves, so it's hard to rent anything without, you know, selling the right to your firstborn. So we haven't done that yet. Um <laughs> So we're looking for a place so that we can do ministry the way we would like to do it all day long on the Lord's Day and in different days of the week. We really want to be a, a, a family, a body that doesn't just show up on Sunday and then you don't see anybody for another six days. That seems not, that's pretty un-New Testament to me. So we really want to be about that. And right now we can't do that very well, but that's our goal. So if you could pray for that, that we would find a facility, that'd be awesome. Let's see. Oh, we brought on, Brother Max is going to preach here next week. And you better screw your hats down. That boy can preach, man. (laughs) And he's from the Slavic Church, and he's a great preacher. And he's co-laboring with me, and we brought him on. And we, this is the first month that we, he's brought on part-time. So he works three or four days wherever he works, and then he's with us those the rest of the days. And so what a blessing that is because he's so gifted. So you got two guys that just, as you know here, just spreads the, the, the amount of people that you can serve, and, and the gospel just has more places to go. So we're very grateful for that. And so next week Max will be here, and I don't know what his text is, but it'll be good. It will be good. But our text, so that's enough about us, okay? How about if we turn to the book of Ephesians, please? And this afternoon in Folsom, it'll be probably the second to the last message out of the book of Ephesians. We've been in it for about a year. I've preached some of it here before. It's just so gripping. It's so wonderful. It's a great, as you know very well, New Testament epistle from the Apostle Paul. From his first Roman imprisonment, he writes to the church in Ephesus. And he, he writes some glorious truths. The first three chapters, as you know, of Ephesians is all doctrine. There's one imperative in the first three chapters, and, it, and it's to remember where you're from, basically. 
Other than that, everything else is an indicative, which means it's a fact. It's above the line of possibility. First three chapters is all facts about those who are in Christ Jesus. So when you read those three chapters, there's nothing there telling you to do anything. It's, it's telling you this is what you should know. This is what you should understand. This is what Christ has accomplished through his death and burial and resurrection. This is what it means to be a Christian. First three chapters. Massive stuff. Mount Everest of theology and doctrine and, and it then bleeds into chapter 4 and following which the life we live now in light of who we are in Christ is now what chapter 4 and follow, all the way to the end is talking about. Because chapter 4 verse 1 for instance talks about and uses this word that Paul repeats throughout in verse 1 this, this, this uh, exhortation to walk. Walk in this way. He'll say that in verse 1. He'll say that in verse 17 of chapter 4. He'll say it again in chapter 5, uh, verse uh, 7, 8, 9, somewhere in there. And then 15, he'll say it throughout 4, 5, and 6. So it's the exhortation to walk, not run, walk. It's a marathon, not a 100-yard dash, but it's a marathon understanding the truth of who you are in Christ. Now live out that truth. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Tonight, you're going to read about that again in Philippians 1.27, right? To walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. That, that's one of Paul's favorite thoughts and themes is that word and that idea of walking worthy, which is an amazing exhortation that you and I can apparently walk worthily of the gospel, worthily of the Lord. We're called to do that. When we get to chapter 4 of Ephesians, when you get to verse 24, for instance, because I believe this is a hinge verse in this second half of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 24, notice what it says here. It says, And put on the new self, exhortation, which in the likeness of God has been, notice the tense of the verb, already created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So he's calling us to put on that which has already been done. In Christ Jesus, you are a new person. You are a new man. You are a new you. I think that was mentioned this morning already, I think, in pastor's prayer. The, the, the new creation, the Christian, the one who is born again is no longer who you were before you were saved. You are a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. The old has passed and the new has come. You are no longer who you once were if you are in Christ. You are a new you. You are a new creation. And you have been, you've been recreated in the likeness of God. The image of God that's tainted and corrupted in the fall, in regeneration, he has restored that image. You are now made in the image of God more perfectly. You are now made in the image of Jesus Christ. That is the new you. You are no longer as you once were. You are now in the likeness of Jesus Christ. Isn't that we're, we're predestined to be conformed into his likeness? Romans 8, 29, Colossians 3, 10 and 11. Paul echoes these same kind of words that's found in Ephesians 4, 24. You're a new man, a new lady, a new person in Christ. And now, now live this out. That's verse 25 of chapter 4 of Ephesians and following. The new you in verse 24 looks like verse 25 and following. Do you see it there? Therefore, that's in light of the new you in verse 24, quit lying. That sounds good. Right? Because if you're like God, you ain't going to be lying. You're going to be speaking truth because God is truth, you see. And the, the exhortations that kind of unfold in, in verse 25, in verse 26, be angry but don't sin. In verse 28, stop stealing but work and give. And, and you work your way down and, and you get to verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Why? Because you're a new you. You're a new creation. Put these things away. You see, verse 32, be kind to one another. Why? Because you're a new you that's like Jesus Christ. Tender-hearted, forgiving each other. Notice how in verse 32, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. The new you acts like Jesus Christ. And according to verse 32, the new you is kind and tender and forgiving. To the extent that Jesus Christ forgave you, you forgive the person across the aisle. You forgive the person you're married to. 
Christians don't hold grudges. And if you do, you need to repent. It's for the glory of Christ. So as they say, act like Christians. Act like Christians. You know how we act like Christians? That brings us to my text. By the way, I always forget to ask, when am I finished? Does that clock work? Okay, so when... Okay, all right. You know what a clock means to a preacher, right? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> That's why we have elders to go, hey, you're done. That brings us to my text, chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. This is awesome stuff. You talk about a high calling, beloved. Look at verse 1 of chapter 5. Therefore, the exhortation is be imitators of God. Whoa. As beloved children... And walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality and any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Verse 4, there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ in God. The exhortation in verse 1 is stunning to meditate on. Therefore be imitators of God. The word imitate there is from, from a word where we get the English word mimic. We're to mimic God. We're to imitate, to mimitate. We're to follow him as, as a model. We're to copy someone's speech or mannerism. We are to imitate. It's like, it's like a little kid imitating his dad. We are to imitate God. Verse 1 is coming off of verse 32 where we were to forgive like God. He then goes beyond and says, now imitate God. The new you is exhorted to imitate God. You want to you look like somebody? You want to talk like somebody? You want to follow like somebody? You want to act like somebody? Act like God. That's what he says. Christians are to imitate God. That's fascinating. And this, this word imitate and this idea from the Apostle Paul is one of his favorite exhortations found in the New Testament. He says, or the writer of Hebrews 6 would say, don't imitate those who are sluggish, but imitate those who are, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. It says in uh, 3 John, don't imitate what is evil, but imitate what is good. It says in Hebrews 13, 7, Remember those who led you and spoke the word of God to you in considering the result of their conduct, then this exhortation, imitate their faith. Look to them, watch them, as they're faithful in the midst of persecution and trials and troubling, and they're faithful to Christ. The exhortation is imitate that. Follow that. The Apostle Paul can calls both believers in Corinth and Thessalonica to be imitators of himself. 1 Corinthians 11 says, Imitate me as I imitate who? Christ. Can we say that? that that's almost a scary thought, isn't it? Ma'am, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That seems kind of like, I don't know that I would say that. But the apostle does. You know why? Because it's true. He's not, calling, he's not calling people to say that he's Lord. He's saying, hey, follow me as I follow the Lord. If you can't say that, ask this, why? What is it in my life that I know about that I'm not following the Lord that I don't want you to follow? Why, why would I not say, follow me as I follow Christ? Should we say that to our children? If not, you better farm them out somewhere else then. <laughs> right? Because they're going to imitate you. <laughs> Be imitators of God. See, the church has a high, high calling. 
We are the light on the hill, indeed. And the world that's lost in darkness will only see the true God by looking at the church. Oh, they can see God's power in creation, but to see God in his character and his nature, he looks to his people. The world looks to the people. The greatest need for this dark and dreary and miserable world is for faithful church to be following God so that they can see God. They will know you are his disciples by how well you study your Bible. Is that what it says? How did they know you're a follower of Jesus? By your love for one another, it says. That's how they, that's in John 13, that's what Jesus says. The world will know for a fact that you follow me by your love for one another. And it's his kind of love, agape kind of love. Lay down your life, blood and gut kind of love, not K-love kind of love. Right? It's Christian love. It's, it's, it's bloody. It's work. It's savage. Because <laughs> you end up in some tough places, but love puts you there for the sake of rescuing people. You see? And they will know you belong to Jesus when you do that. Be imitators of God, beloved. You're a new you. You can do this. You have a new nature. You're indwelt by the Trinity through the Holy Spirit. Are you saying this is impossible? This is not some lofty ideal he just throws out there. Hey, good luck trying to reach that one. No, he says, there's the goal. Now I'm going to empower you to do that. That kind of makes me excited. Right? We can imitate God. We can mimic God. We can follow in his steps. What a command. We not only possess his nature, we're recreated in his image. We are indwelt by his Holy Spirit and we're commanded to copy him. That's, this is possible. Now think, think of these different commands found in the, in the New Testament. In Matthew 5.48, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, Jesus says, Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Is that just a pious platitude or a command to pay attention and follow God? To be perfect, to be complete, to be mature, to, to, and he gives the, he gives what that maturity looks like in the Sermon on the Mount. It's loving your enemies. That's how you be perfect like your father, according to Matthew 5. But the command is to be perfect like your father. 1 Peter 1.16, be holy as I am holy. And that's from Leviticus. That's even old covenant stuff. Be holy in the same way that God is holy. That's just commanding you to follow in his steps. That's what it's saying. God is holy. He gives you commands now to be holy as he is and obey what he says. And if you do, you'll be holy as he is holy. Set apart, you see. But we're to imitate God. We're to, we're to follow him. We're to be like him. 636 of Luke says this, Be merciful just as your father is merciful. So you see, it's found throughout the Bible that his people are to mimic him. His people are to imitate him. His people are to follow in his steps so that those around would see him in you. That's, that's outstanding. Right? Now look at verse 1. Please, of five, Ephesians five one. The command is be imitators of God. Okay. What's the picture given? How are you supposed to imitate God? In what way? Do you see it in verse one? In what way do you imitate God? In verse one. We'll get there. Someone said As beloved children. As beloved children. Now, I know we're not Pentecostal here, but can we, can, we, I don't hear very well, but I love to ask questions, and I love to get people come back to me, and I, 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 I spent a lot of time with the Slavic church, and it's like pulling teeth, right? But I was just at a church in East Bay uh, doing a men's conference last couple of days, multi-ethnic church. It was glorious, right? You almost had to say, hey, man, calm down. <laughs> I only asked this question. <laughs> so anyway, what, what's the way we follow God given in the text? Verse 1. 
as beloved children. Thank you. Look at that. Isn't that great? Now think about that. As, that little word is an adverb of manner. It's how you do this. How are we to mimic God? We are to do it as beloved children. Okay? As children. Why does he say children? We are his children. He is our father. In the same way that on the planet, in the natural world, as a little junior imitates daddy, so too Christians are to imitate daddy. We are the children of God. He is our father. Now imitate him as children. Children are humble, at least when they're younger, (laughs) right? They're humble, they're submissive, they're needy, they respect daddy, right? They want to follow daddy, they want to be with daddy, imitate God as like children. Now I say children because the adjective beloved, if you remove that out from the text, it would still make sense, wouldn't it? Imitate God as children. Okay, I know what that means. But he adds beloved in there. Beloved, those who are loved, those who are objects of love, those who are the objects of his affection. Think of this. At the baptism of Jesus Christ, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Okay? Beloved. To say one is your beloved, you're, you're declaring that person is an object of your special affection and attention. This is saying imitate God as children who know they are objects of the affection of God. You see, that's a huge difference between as just children, but not just children, but children who are objects of divine, massive divine affection. Do you know you will never, as a child of God, you will never be held at arm's length from God. You will never be rejected, no matter how much sin is in your life. When you sin and get away from God, it's not because God got away from you, it's because you turned your back on God. God ain't gone anywhere. You and I go places. As those in Christ Jesus, the throne room doors to the throne of grace, is it ever barred to the Christian? Because if you're coming there in repentance as a filthy, dirty, rotten sinner, does that keep God away from you? Oh, you're too dirty for me. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Are you a worse sinner now than you were before you were saved? No. Christian, this is exhorting you and I to follow in the steps of God is those who are convinced and know that daddy adores them. That's good stuff. And that's true. That's not some wacko liberal theology. That's grace. That is sovereign grace. He has chosen to lavish his affection on you. You just need to receive it and accept it. You see, we're so, we're so, we need to be taught the gospel every day. Every single one of us need the gospel preached to me every day to remind me of the lavish affection of the triune God for me. And he says, it's so lavish, it's like, come, come, you're always welcome. Follow me. I will never push you away. He will never reject you because on the cross he rejected his son who took your place. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? He will never abandon you, Christian, because he abandoned his son on the cross in your place. Isn't that awesome? You can never, if you're in Christ, there is nothing you can do to get out of the double grip of God and the son. You cannot break the seal of the Holy Spirit, chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 of Ephesians. So imitate God. Do you you see the, the emphasis that Paul is saying is the freedom... The, the, the lack of hindrance in my life to go wholeheartedly after God. My Father who welcomes me, 
He, he provided his son and the spirit to make sure that I would come. <laughs> right? And he, he says, come, be with me, follow me, you see, follow me. And so you respond as a child who knows he's not going to whack you the moment you fail. Right? Not like my dad. My dad was a tough old German who came through LSI. His family came through LSI, not himself, but his dad did. And he was the youngest of seven boys, my daddy was. And he was one tough dude because they beat on him for years, you know. And he thought he needed to train me like that. And he had a ring. I'm not kidding. He had that big old ring like this. And he'd get mad at you and he'd frap you on the top of the head, right? It's like, <laughs> right? Now, I thought he was God. I loved him. But I wouldn't get too close to him like one who's beloved, <laughs> right? I would be at arm's length because that sucker, you know, he'd frap you if he got mad at you. That's not God. God says, come. Get right up here, man, right? You ever put your kids on your feet and walk like this? That's what he's saying. You have to trust God to do that. But we don't trust God. We don't take him at his word. Oh, we have a metaphysical, meta. we have this theory about God. He's some faraway transcendent God. Nonsense, man. That transcendent God came into history through Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit. He indwells me. He is closer to me than any person on the planet. I cannot get away from him. He will never leave me nor forsake me. He will not abandon me. The Holy Spirit is the present permanent address in my heart by his choice not yours while yet a sinner Christ did you see this is we need to be awakened to this there, that's why there's joy in being a Christian how many people you know oh yeah I'm a Christian <laughs> uh, Jesus is great hey did you know that Jesus died for you oh, of course you did yeah. <laughs> yeah. get out of here <laughs> get out of here right First Peter 2, 3 talks about like newborn babes longing, craving for the pure milk of the word. First Peter 2, 2, yeah. Verse 3, if you have tasted that the Lord is good. Why does he say that? Where are you going to taste the Lord? What does taste imply? Experience. I've experienced the soup. Oh, that was good. I've experienced, I have tasted. Where do you taste the Lord in First Peter? From the pure milk of the word. This is where, this is where Jesus Christ and his perfections come from the pages. And the Holy Spirit, it's like scratch and smell. Oh yeah, that's divinity, man. That's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And the Holy Spirit makes that real to you. That's why Romans 8 says, by the Holy Spirit, you cry out, Abba, Father. It's by the Holy Spirit that you can call God Daddy. That drove a Jew crazy. Pre-cross Jew would say, you're out of your mind. Lightning's going to strike you. You do not call Yahweh daddy. Yes, you do. Through Jesus Christ, he's my daddy. And the Holy Spirit convinces you in your inner person. If that's too Pentecostal for you, you need to get a little Pentecostal in you. Right? Frozen chosen don't work. Frozen chosen don't work. I'm telling you. Frozen chosen does not honor God. Any more than the radical other side. <laughs> we'll leave that alone. Because <laughs> that's not why I'm here. <laughs> I want to encourage you from this text as it encourages me to realize the depth and the height and the width of the love of God for you in Christ Jesus that will never change. He cannot love you more and he will not love you less. And he says, come and follow me. As a little child, the exhortation, imitate him, freely come, abandon yourself unto God, and come to him. You further again it. <laughs> you know what that means? Yep. No. You're from Bakersfield, you don't understand? Oh, you fur it or again it? Yeah. Yeah, we're fur it. Yeah, we're fur it. Right? Count me in, preacher. Right? Count me in. How can we start to do this? Right? How how think of this. 
To imitate someone means what? Speak to me. What has to be going on? What, 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 what? Tell me what needs to be happening. You got to know them. You got to know them. How are you going to know them? Say again. You have to watch. You got to watch him. You got to be able to see him. And where do we see him most, most precisely, right, is the pages of Scripture. You got to know the Bible. And you got to hang out. If you're going to imitate somebody, you got to hang out with them so that you can know him, know how he thinks, how he responds to certain things, how he, how he carries himself. That's why Jesus Christ is the image of God who has come to reveal the invisible God. So to see the true and living God is to look on Jesus Christ. As he told Philip, Philip, I've been with you for so long and you're asking me, show me the Father. Get out of here, man. Keep looking at me because if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? That's what, so the exhortation to follow God is to know Him. It's, it's to know Him with the, with the text and the, the revelation of Scripture. It's to know Him. The Holy Spirit takes that and, and, and makes it alive to you and you obey it. You live it out. You begin to taste and experience the living God and I do say it that way on purpose so that the non-Pentecostal type peoples get excited and say, man, I want to taste a little bit of that. It's for everyone. It's not just reserved for the, the guys who are going to shoot past heaven. Right? The Pentecostal kinds, you know, they'll make it to heaven if they don't shoot past it. Right? They're so excited. I want to be a little bit excited. Shouldn't we be excited? You mean it's not exciting to hang out with someone so glorious, unmatched, like Jesus Christ? That doesn't light your fire. Your wood is wet, man. You need to get some fire going. You see? Jesus Christ is the greatest person you'll ever know. You know that. But we need to know it experientially. More. He's a living person. He's not some theory. He's real. He's inside of me. He deals with me every day. He's there when you're broken, man. He's, he's there when you're thrashed. He's there when he puts you on the anvil and beats the stuffing out of you. He doesn't leave. And he's there when you're exhilarated. He's there when, when you're so full of joy. He's there when you're in the midst of this trial that you think's never going to go away. Oh, God. He's there. And we taste him there. So, beloved, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. But it gets gooder. Look at the next verse. Right? That clock is way too fast. I don't think it works, actually. <laughs> verse 2. And walk. Walk in love. Look, so that, that conjunction in 2 could probably best say this. Even. So he's going he's gonna to, like expand on the idea of imitating God as beloved children. How do we do that? Verse 2, walk in love. Okay. Walk, live step by step, continually, present tense, in love. But he doesn't leave it to us to define what the love is. Because if we, if we took a survey for here, we come up with, you know, 600 different things. What is love? God doesn't leave it to us to define it because he defines it for us in verse 2. Do you see? Just as. How to walk in love? What do you mean by that, Paul? Well, I'm glad you asked. Just as Christ also loved you. Oh. So what we are to imitate. See, this is what's really, this is amazing. Verse 2. The details of the cross in verse 2. Why the details is to exhort us to follow in his steps. We're not going to die as a substitutionary atonement, but we can lay our lives down for someone else. That's what he's calling us to. To imitate God in the manner he's choosing here is to lay down our life like Jesus Christ did on the cross. Because do you see the picture, please, in verse 2? The command is walk in love. How does that look just as in this way? Okay, that's your picture. In this way, in the way that Christ loved you. I want you to walk in love in the same way that Christ loved you. 
Okay, so there's your pattern. There's your steps in the snow to follow. You see? Put your foot here, put your foot here, put your foot here. Where is that foot leading to Christ's kind of love? Which is, is, is over there, a lay down your life kind of love for someone else. So imitating God as beloved children, in order to follow in the steps of Christ's sacrificial love, you must be convinced of God's love for you. That's why it says it's beloved children. How else are you going to follow in Christ's steps that leads to self-sacrifice if you don't believe that God massively loves you? If you have any hint, any, any hint of doubt, you will not put your foot in the steps of Jesus Christ. Amen? If, if I have any, any doubt whatsoever that God loves me to the degree that the New Testament shows me, that to the degree that Ephesians shows me, I'm not going to willingly step off this step to follow Jesus. That's why people don't follow Jesus wholeheartedly. They don't trust that he loves them. But this is what, so look what he says in verse 2. How do you know that Christ loves you? Well, just as Christ also loved you. Well, how did he do that? Look at the rest of the verse. And gave himself up for us. Do you see, gave him up. He, he delivered himself over. This is his will. He willingly laid his life down, gave himself over, delivered himself over. It's, it's, it's often a technical term when an official took a prisoner and handed him over to the executioner. The same word. Jesus Christ willingly gave himself over to the authorities. Gave himself over to be crucified for us. Now, he says, I want you to follow in his steps. I want you to give yourself over for the brethren. Does it say that anywhere else in your Bible? It says it all over the Bible. All over the Bible. Right? It's incredible. We are called to follow in the steps of Christ. And if it leads to, if it leads to um, a persecution, sacrificial martyrdom, so be it. If it leads to losing financial stuff, so be it. If it ends up in prison, so be it. If it just ends up... In whatever, it's following in the steps of the sacrifice of Christ. That's what he's calling us to. Not some warm, fuzzy, oh, I love you, and then walk away and don't do anything. You see? But he goes on. Look at here. In verse 2, he says, And gave himself up for us. He goes further to describe the sacrifice of Christ because he wants us to follow suit. An offering and a sacrifice to God. Christ's death was an offering and a sacrifice to God. He's calling us to the same thing. I want you to walk in love, and this is how Christ laid down his life. I want you to recognize that your life being laid down is actually an offering to God. He's calling you to follow that. And then my NES ends up with this, as a fragrant aroma. Now, if you chase that around the Old Testament, and we won't, it has to do with sacrifices that please Yahweh. The fragrant aroma is that God is, is, is observing the sacrifice, and it's pleasing. Oh, yes. Not that he likes burnt hair. You know, the smell of burnt hair and flesh. He, that's not what he's saying. He's like, oh, I really like the smell of that. Maybe he does, but that's not what it means. <laughs> right? I don't know if you've ever been to a Brandon. You ever been to a Brandon where they brand cows? Yeah, it didn't smell good. I hate that smell, right? It stinks. But this is saying the sacrifice, the heart of the sacrifice pleases God. Christ's sacrifice pleased God. When you walk in his steps, your sacrifice pleases God, pleases daddy. It's the applaud of heaven. Isn't that what we want? Do we not live for the audience of one? Do we not want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? Do we not want to hear from our daddy, good job? Yes. 
I mean, even in the natural word, even my dad who frapped me with his ring, man, my goal until I was saved, I was saved at 30 years old. For 30 years, I sought to please my dad. That's all I wanted. My poor mother. (laughs) She's so faithful. But it's daddy that I wanted the approval. It's the same as a Christian. I want daddy's approval. I want daddy to say, well done. Well, here's how you do it. You imitate him by walking in love, and that walk of love looks like Jesus Christ's sacrifice. Go to 1 John, please, 3, real quick. 1 John 3. And look at verse oh, 16 and 17 at least. Look at what he says, 1 John three sixteen and 17. He says, we know love by this. So if you have any doubt, (laughs) here's the verse for you. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought, obligation, to lay our lives down for who? The brethren. Do you see the sacrifice of Christ is the pattern of which we follow if we are to love the brethren? And it's not some mystical sacrifice it's to follow in the the steps of Jesus Christ to where you are willing if God calls you to do so you are willing to lay your life down for the sake of the brethren now wouldn't you like to be part of a body that that was the mutual affection how about just a family <laughs> right no 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 brother competition you know no none of that stuff Wouldn't that be glorious? That's the way it's supposed to be. And what produces that is the gospel. When you have a group of people focused and taught and understand the gospel of Jesus Christ and the love of God that's found on that cross, that then motivates me to lay my life down for you. Knowing that God loves me supremely. And if I was to die physically, is that such a bad thing? I go to be in the presence of the one that I love? Are you kidding me? I'm longing for that day. But we live as though this is our home. We're so in love with this place. What's so good about this place? Are you kidding me? No, it's full of sin and and savagery and malice. Are we not pilgrims passing through while we're on the pilgrimage let us imitate God and how do we do that is to follow in the steps of Christ self-sacrifice sacrificing for the sake of others isn't that the motivation of missions you mentioned a people group that has no light what in the world would motivate somebody to leave here to go there but the love of Christ I'm convinced of his love for me. I'm eternally secure. I'm going to go lay my life down for them. You see, that's the fuel of missions. It's the love of Christ that dominates and controls. And we want to go share this Christ with the people in darkness. But they might kill me. Yeah, they might. Isn't that great? You'll end up in glory. Or don't you believe that? Or don't you believe that? Do you see, beloved? We've got to believe the Bible. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. That's what it says. It's not some crazy Baptist preacher stuff. Though he might be crazy. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Look at verse 17, if we're still in First John. <laughs> Look at verse 17. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? You see, verse 16 is the extreme of the self-sacrifice. If God should so choose for you to be martyred even. But verse 17 brings it down to the, just the practical everyday life. How does having stuff and you see someone in need and you don't try to alleviate their need, how does the love of God? Do you see the self-sacrifice in verse 17? Oh, but this is my stuff. You know? Well, they might take advantage of it, you know? Yeah, they probably will. That's okay. Right? That's okay. Following Christ makes us very vulnerable. 
Love makes us very vulnerable, doesn't it? You're willing to be took advantage of. That Christ might save that sucker. <laughs> right? And you would hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Well, go back to our text. I need to finish here. <clears throat> so he exhorts us to imitate in the way that a child who's convinced of God's affection, we are to walk in the love that Christ exemplified. That's verse 2. Know that that pleases God. It's a fragrant aroma. And verse 3, 4, and 5, you know, it starts with the contrast. The love for Christ does not do these things. But immorality, a sexual immorality, porne, or impurity, or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. See, this is, this is, do you see, we've just been exhorted to follow God. Verse 3, you're not following God, you're following the world, the sinful world, you're following the dark world, you're following Satan. So to, to the new creation of verse 24, the new you, is imitating God and following the steps of Jesus Christ's sacrifice. Verse 3 says, but don't do this because it's not proper for saints. It's not fitting. That's fair enough. Why is that so, I mean, that this day and age, it's like controversial. <laughs> Verse 4, he goes on, there must be no filthiness or silly talk or coarse jesting which are not fitting. Notice how he says in 3, it's not proper. Verse 3, not fitting, but the rather of giving thanks. You see, there, there is, it's not appropriate for those who are mimicking God to carry out verse 3 and 4. It's not appropriate. It's not fitting. It's not right. And he ends in verse 4 there. Isn't it interesting? In contrast to those filthy, silly talk, coarse jesting, those are rank jokes, you know. Those, those are the things that are foul. Your prayer today, brother, on the call to worship prayer, this is what he's talking about here, right? Um, no filthiness, no silly talk, you know. Um, no coarse jesting, not entering into the world's rank discussions. That's not fitting for a child of God. But what is fitting for a child of God? Giving thanks. So the energy that you use to put out words, make sure it's to give thanks. Because <laughs> right? the breath you just took is a gift from God. Why would I use it in coarse jesting? Use it in giving Him thanks and praise and pleasing Him. That's humility. Three and four is pride. The end of verse 4, giving thanks is humility. Give thanks. Finally, verse 5, the, the importance of this. Look where he goes with this. And we'll be done. For this you know with certainty. See, they're convinced of this. They, they know this. This is, this is not contrary to anything that gospel teaches. We know this with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man, those three parallel verse 3, by the way, Greed is the same as covetous, who is an idolater. So greed, covetous, is the same as idolatry. Whatever I covet, whatever I'm, whatever I'm greedy for, that's my God. That's my idol. And he says, know this for certain. So don't let any false teacher come in and twist this. Don't let anybody teach you different. God does care how you and I live as new creatures, right? He says in verse 5, know this for certain. No immoral, impure person or covetous who is an idolater. And look at the last phrase in 5. Has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. That sounds pretty important, right? That's basically saying that person won't be in heaven. You won't see that person in heaven. That's what it says. That's what it says. Don't minimize what God says. Oh, but I saw him walk the, walk the trail at a camp and throw a pine cone in the fire and mumble Jesus or something. Of course he's saying, really? No. How about care enough to, to come alongside and question somebody's faith who's kind of wavering. Not to condemn them, but to come alongside and rescue them. Right? 
to rescue them. You know, I, I noticed that, you know, you're, trying to, you're starting to make some of these decisions that doesn't really please God, and I'm just curious, where are you, where are you at? What are you thinking about? Can I show you some truth from Scripture that might help you? You know, because their response to you will tell you everything. Because we're all going to slip and slide through this Christian life. But how do we respond when a brother comes alongside and says, Hey, can I show you a better way? Can I show you the way of Christ? And if he responds with that, you know, whatever, that's probably a good reason to say, We need to pray for a soul. But notice, please, the ones who practice immoral, impurity, and covetous. I don't think most of us would have put covetous in there. Right? Of course we're going to get after the immoral people. Right? But covetous? Oh. It sounds like shopping. <laughs> Just saying. Shopping for anything. That's guys and gals. Right? So this text is calling us to be reminded, be convinced of the lavish affection and commitment that God the Father has for you. And he wants you to follow in his steps to imitate him. And that part of that imitation or the fullness of that imitation of God is to walk a life that is constantly characterized by love. The love that was expressed in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That he was willing to physically lay down his life for the sake of others, for us. We are to emulate that. And can in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he will give us joy in the midst of it. Nothing will own us anymore. We will abandon it all unto God. You see. But don't be doing three, four, and five. Because those people don't belong in heaven. But imitate God. I'll leave you alone there. And we, I think I pray, yeah? Okay. Uh, Father, oh, please, Lord, take this word and perfect it in each heart as you would desire and bring about your purpose. I pray for us all, Lord Jesus, who know you, that we would revisit the cross and, and the glory of that cross, and particularly the depth and the width and the height of your love for us. Convince us of that, Father, and then send us out, even if just across the street, with the gospel, with the gospel of grace. We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Continue to bless this fellowship. Strengthen them, encourage them. Convince them all of your love. In Christ's name we pray.